We had an eventful weekend. We did. In the Wallace so household. So glad it's over. You was and, lovely. You and me both. But I'm glad it's over. Last show we talked about courtship, and this was courtship at the extreme. Yes. It was. Five days to plan a secret engagement. Proposal. Proposal. Yep. Yeah. Hoping that the groom-to-be would show up. <laughs> We drove him crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I got it. My sister had Olivia, that's my sister's name. She had very specific instructions for her now fiance, David, when he was ready to propose to her. His one job was to text me, and then I would take it from big there. Mi- so. Big mistake. <laughs> big mistake. Yeah, so he did. He texted me and he goes, Hey, can we meet this weekend or can we meet sometime this week, you know, to talk about? something. And I was like, you bet we can. <laughs> and so we got together and we looked at the calendar and I said, cause she, you know, she has stipulations for how she wanted her dream proposal. His parents are going to be out of town. Our parents are going to be out of town. And then it's her birthday. And we didn't want to wrap it into her birthday. So I was like, okay, the only weekend we have is this weekend. So that was five wow. days ago. Whipped it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and let me just say so this. Stressed. So David, <laughs> Olivia's Longtime boyfriend is a very laid back, very chilled type of guy. Very, very simple, sweet. Yeah. sweet. Rocky, on the other hand, is over the top <laughs> fantasy, you know, just extreme ideas. And I'm a creative so person, okay? <laughs> the the idea that Olivia would say, you know, call Rocky was just why would you do that. Put, that, put him through <laughs> Why that. Why would you yeah. do this? Why would you do that to David? Why Just would you do that to, to David? I had options A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O. So I had an A through Z plans. Okay. I was like, you can choose from any of these options. <laughs> so, okay. um, so, but I was like to whip it up on this kind of time. I had an in at Meadowbrook Hall. And so we, I, and this is not abnormal for me to be like, Hey, we're doing a girl's day. And so I positioned it really well. So she couldn't say no, she would feel too guilty. So we went and had um, a tour, a private tour of Meadowbrook Hall with just me, Jackie, and her. And so I was like, we're going to take pictures because I got a new camera. So, you know, I just want to use it. I need to learn. And so come dressed and ready. And and I just, the whole time, I'm like, how is she not putting this together? Like, how is she not putting two and two together? Because I said to her when she told me she was, you know, ready, I said, look, surprising you is going to be hard. So you need to have your name like hair and nails done at all times. Like I can't be worried about you missing appointments. Like she came and we did the tour and then she walked out of, you know, the front door at Meadowbrook, which is, if you've not seen it, you guys need to go online and look at it. It's gorgeous. And so she came out and then we, you know, her, her best friend, Ina had a, brought an adorable, like light up, marry me sign. And then we were all, everyone was waiting Family for her. Family was there. Yeah. And with, yeah, okay. she was totally caught off guard and everybody was crying. Well, she actually walked and... out and turned around and walked back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. She started crying. Everybody was crying. Yeah. It was just so emotional. And, um, and they've been together for a long time. It was just really cool. Well, and uh, so I just feel like this is such a cute, like little piece of theirs. He actually had has had a ring for her for like they've been together for six or seven years. Yeah, he's had it for at these. Least five. They're high school. So really? they're actually wow. so they. Act, this is another yeah. part of the puzzle here. They started. They had a, a crush on each other in junior high, like 13, 14 years old. Okay. They had a crush. They, the timing never. Yeah, they never dated okay. throughout elementary yeah. school or you know middle school, high school. Never dated throughout college, and yeah. then 
and then they re reconnected after. Um, yeah, so it was very cute. It was very sweet, and I was very stressed. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think everyone hates me. Like I was like assuming that I sent everybody this very. <laughs> We're pretty sure his dad deleted you from. Oh, I think his entire contact. family blocked yeah. me. Yeah, it's I'm pretty fine. sure they did because she sends all these specifics and instructions you know, to get here at this time. Be really good. <laughs> Welcome to The Nooner Show. Here's your host, Jackie Wallace, Gina Guccini, and Rocky Wallace. So this segment is designed to showcase the talent of individuals who found a wish and found a way to make it happen. They overcame setbacks and made things happen. And today we're going to showcase the story of Nayana Ferguson. All right. Well, welcome to The Nooner Show Airways, Nayana Ferguson. And we are also joined by her husband, Don, who is off the mic today. So Nayana is the first black woman in the world to be an owner of a tequila company. She is the co-owner of the multi-award-winning tequila and teal tequila with her husband, Don. Their tequila is sold nationwide and has been featured in Forbes, Essence, Cosmopolitan, Maxim. And she has recently been featured on The Kelly Clarkson Show. We've all heard the saying, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And Nayana's success story was far from a straight path. If being an entrepreneur wasn't enough of a challenge, Nayana is an also a two-time cancer survivor. In the face of these adversities is where she discovered her secret power for resilience. Refusing to allow pain and struggle to keep her down, Nayana stayed optimistic about her future and continued to press on. Nayana is here today to talk about taking the leap of faith and the power of mindset. Welcome to the Nooner Show, oh. Nayana Ferguson. Thank Woo-hoo. you so much. Right. I'm Welcome. like, who is she talking about? <laughs> yeah. You. This badass woman like, in front of me. Yeah, like, no shit. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. I hear stuff like that. I'm like, woo, that person sounds so awesome. <laughs> that person is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it is interesting because... It's only, the company's only been around since 2018, right? We actually started in 2017, but we actually launched the brand in 2018. So it took almost a year, you know, during that time of us actually getting everything together and stuff like that. But concept to bottle in our hand, we started in 2017. Okay, so about five years, really, from the concept to actually, so how many stores right now? Oh, Same. I don't know. We're in eight states. We're in the Caribbean. We're wow. nationwide, but we're in a lot of uh, big stores that people do know, like Total Wine stores. Uh, we are in Kroger stores, you know, so we are growing through those chain stores. But any store in the eight states that we're in can order our uh, tequila in those states. So we're just looking to grow. But I cannot tell you all the stories. There's so many now. Wow. <laughs> you know, when we first started, I could tell you. But yeah. the first couple months, I could tell you, oh, yeah, we're here, here. Now it's like, ah. But I it's hundreds. Know. Yes. It's in, in Michigan, is over 400 locations. Wow. wow. Just ordered, in Michigan? Correct. That have ordered Antil Tequila. And, you know, we're hoping they continue to do so. So we always tell people who ask, ask us questions about, you know, are you available in my state, my city? Go to a store. If you have a favorite neighborhood store that you love to go to, tell them to order it. Yeah. Make them order it. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're in hundreds of stores through, throughout the country. You've done, I can't even imagine how many interviews, a magazines. Lot. It's been yeah. a lot. It's been a but you know, I love interviews. I love telling my story. I love talking about our tequila and our story, but... I, I can't even count anymore. I, I know we need to do a, a new press kit, and it's it's like 
what do you add? Because it's yeah. so many. Where do you, st- right. You know, it's like, okay, just do the big ones because you can't remember everything because we've, we've tried to do that. And then we come back and say, oh, shoot, we forget this or we forget Yeah, how this. many pages would it <laughs> right. be now? It's got to be just know. a magazine now, <laughs> yeah. just all the interviews oh goodness, you've done. It's, it's a lot. But it, it's fun because it's gotten a story out there. It's gotten how we started Antio. It's gotten some of my story of, out there as well and some of my husband's story. So, you know, there's so many just different tangents to us starting this brand. And so every interview, I think, gives even a little bit more to the story. Well, and that's what I want to get into right now, because when you look at this whole picture of the success, the level of success you've achieved, really five years is a short time. Five years almost seems like an overnight success. Yeah, you would think so, especially with the emerging brand and, and the spirits industry is so challenging in so many different ways. And then, of course, my husband wanted to do the one of the most challenging, which is tequila, <laughs> because you have to deal with the U, U.S. government, the Mexican government. You know, there are so many just different things that you have to deal with that you wouldn't have to do if you created, like, say, a vodka or you know a rum or something, because a lot of those you can do here in the U.S., and that's it. You don't need and to have to. You didn't do have that Mexico. background, though. You you guys no. didn't come from a like a spirits. No, background, right? no. I am a business person. At one point, I wanted to be a doctor, wow. um, and I was pre med most of my college career until I changed. Oh, wow. um, I, I pivoted, you know, later in, in my college career and got my business degree, and then I got my MBA right really quickly. I did like an eighteen month program and was like, okay, I'm done. Um, so, but. I have a business background, so I can I can do any business, but spirits, no. No, I didn't, I, besides drinking it. We <laughs> <laughs> no, no. must I have done a good job. Quickly. Yeah, I, I learned very quickly, though. So. Okay, and then um, in addition to the tequila, you guys have the consulting business, which Correct. is also doing really well. And I also have to say um, we are recipients of the consulting business, Dope Water. Yes. And uh, that's been... It's been instrumental. Very (laughs) much for uh, Dope Water. And so anybody that's starting a business or trying to scale a business, I would highly recommend that you look up um, Curious Inception because it gave us a lot of clarity. Mm -hmm. And it's... it's, You've got to have a partner as an entrepreneur to scale or to just get clarity or well, I think to be good at anything, you have right. to have a coach. You yeah, know you what do. I mean? So you I need think to get a coach being, and that's exactly yeah, what being an that was entrepreneur for us. and having, um, that guidance, right. uh, it's just invaluable. I think especially for entrepreneurs right. because you're doing it yourself. You don't have to get up. You know what I mean? It's not a nine to five where somebody else is telling you what to do or where right. to go or where to be or exactly. how to do your job. It's, it's a completely different, uh, experience to have, Right. Just have somebody in your corner that's external from you is, I think it's, it's right. just, like I said, invaluable. So yeah. yeah, and Curious Inception came from people seeing what we were doing with Antio, and they were like, oh, well, how did you guys do that? You know, Because, right. of course, part of the story is we created this from the ground up. Right. And they were like, well, how did you do that? And how did you guys get here, here, and here? And we're like, okay, in the beginning, yeah, we can give out, you know, little tips and stuff like that. But when it started to being too many people coming and that's time. Oh, right. We're still running our own business and we are married. We do have children. Right. You know, so all of these things, we can't just give our time and not get compensated in some way for that, you know, and giving out information because truly we didn't have that when we started Mm Antio. We didn't have someone to give us a blueprint on how to do tequila because I looked. Believe me, <laughs> I looked, I, I, I found how to do vodka. I found how to do, 
you know, rum. I did not find a blueprint or a list or anything on how to do tequila. So we were like, if we're going to give this information, you're going to have to be compensated, even if it's just a little bit, because we do know that there are small businesses that right. can afford some of the business consulting that you do see. And it's not to say that we don't have that type of, you know, following or that type of information that should be that way, but we want to actually help. Right. You know, we want to be a, a coach or a mentor. So we want to allow people to have that ability to have that. Right. Were you surprised? It's very valuable. I'm were sorry. You, no, uh, were you surprised once you got this second business? No, 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 <laughs> no. We, we had actually talked about it. A lot of things that we are doing, my husband and I have talked about, and it's so funny because we used to call them our couch conversations. We would have these conversations and a lot of this stuff has come from those conversations. So we actually had spoken about uh, doing business consulting before because we do have another company, which is a um, um, Teak Life, which is a social media marketing company. So out of that, we knew we can consult as well because my husband actually reviews liquor for the spirits industry. So that is a consulting as well. So all of these things are kind of tied. Mm -hmm. So no, I wasn't surprised. I mean, you've handled a lot and yes, you've been through a lot with, you know, being a two-time cancer survivor and I know you guys well at this point and I, I know your story. And, and part of the reason why you chose tequila was because of the low calories, the low, you know, no sugar and, and those things, but you're a fighter. I try to be, I try to be the best that I can be at whatever. And, and I do think back to it, that it is a mindset thing. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about that before in some interviews about your mindset on how you handle things and how, when you're, challenged mm -hmm. you know how you handle those things so I do when I talk about pancreatic cancer because people are like oh my god weren't you scared and you know things like that because of course there's no cure for that and there's nothing to really help with that once you get pancreatic cancer besides having the surgery that I had but in my mind I was going to be okay I was like I, I have stuff to do I can't you know I'm not gonna I have a kid you know at that time I was a single mom to one daughter at that time and I was like I have to be here for her I have things to do. I have more to give. So I'm not going anywhere. And for me, that's that's truly what I think helped. How did you develop that mindset, though? Because I feel like a lot of people, especially up against those challenges in, in being a single mom at that time, that's that's a that's being a single mom is hard enough. How yeah. did you develop that mindset of like, I'm I'm a pusher. I'm going to persevere for this no matter what. I believe a lot of it came from my childhood, too, because I was actually in a domestic violence home when, as I was growing up as a, as a child. My mother was married to an abusive man, so I created a lot of, I know, my characteristics and mindset back then, wow. uh, even as a young child. And it wasn't, I think as a young child, it was me kind of pushing things away, or in, in, in a way, it, it looks as I don't feel anything but it's also looking as I created a strong mind mm -hmm. to deal with all the things that I was dealing with at that time. And as I got older and became an adult, it came, okay, I can put my mind to whatever I need to do because I survived that. So when other things came, I can survive that too. How did you um, break that cycle though? Like how did you no to not repeat the cycle, like, and not go towards that same relationship that your mom did? 
it has to do a lot of things. It was what I was not looking for. When I look back at it in my, in my, especially my high school years, because most people who are abused or in an abusive household, they go one or two ways. A lot of times, you know, I grew up in Detroit. I grew up seven miles Southfield area. I went to Detroit public schools. I went to Castac and people were like, how are you a straight A student? How are you this? And you had all of this stuff going on at home. And I said, I really have no idea. I think it was just in myself. I had my own idea of what and who I wanted to be. I wanted to be a doctor still at that time. And I knew that if I went the way of, because I was around gangs, I was around drugs, I was around girls getting pregnant, young, and I just chose not to do that. Um, I think probably because of the mindset that I created when I was younger, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to do it how and what I think is best for me. And how, how did you do that, though? Did you have anybody that influenced you or... Not really. I I had my grandparents at the time. They were I was their only grandchild, and they did dote on me a little bit. But they they weren't the type of grandparents who were like, okay, we're going to get you out of that situation. We're going to take care of you. I was still in that situation, but my break was when I would go over to their home, and they would just give me everything. And I think they were doing that because they knew what I was going through. You know at in my home life. Mm-hmm. But as far as a mentor or anything like that, I don't remember anyone there saying, okay, you can still do it or anything like that. I, I truly feel it was me. Wow. And I don't know how or why I came with that mindset, but it was so something nature, within me. Nature it had nurture. to be. It had to be. Yeah. Nature. Intrinsically you wanted. Yeah. Better. I wanted better. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want what my mother had. I didn't want to, um, be in that situation because it was very stressful, you know, many occasions. What did your mother think as far as like, did she know what your dreams were? Yeah, she knew I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, I told my family I wanted to be a doctor when I was seven years old. They wow. started calling me Dr. Rivers at that time. Wow. My yeah. name is Rivers. And I look back on it and I'm like, that was good, but maybe not because it actually became pressure that I needed to become a doctor mm-hmm. because I was seven when I said it, and they started calling me Dr. Rivers. And by the time I was 17 and going into college, it was like, ugh, my life had already had so much stress and trauma. I I don't know if I could do it at that time. But I continued. I was pre-med my first three years of college. And then I got married. I got married young and then went away because my first husband was in the military and I came back and I was like, nope, I need to finish. And I couldn't go back into medical. So I went into business because, of course, that was like the easiest thing to, <laughs> to finish. And um, that's what I did. How did you feel from your own trauma? Because I feel like, you know, without like I've been blessed to have an amazing support, you know what I mean, to deal with trauma. And how did you learn to process that and deal with the trauma that you experienced as a child. I did go to counseling for several years. Mm-hmm. I, I had to go, well, it took me a while to find the right therapist mm-hmm. to go to uh, in my early 20s because I had a lot of anger. I do know that. Even though I was very positive in a lot of things and in a lot of ways, I was very angry mm-hmm. at my life and at what my mother, because, of course, I blamed her at the time, um, put me through. Um, so I went through a lot of therapy and a lot of working on myself. And working on my mind and, and you know, even even today, you know, I, I had depression, of mm-hmm. course, 
you know, anger and all of that. But over time, you learn how to recognize, you know, Mm -hmm. different signs you learn. I learned from therapy different tools Mm -hmm. to make sure that I don't go down those roads. You know, if I'm feeling extra sad or extra depressed, I know what to do to make myself you know, get out of that mode because I don't want to fall into what I call the black hole Mm -hmm. because depression usually stays with you. Mm -hmm. It's just on how you deal with it throughout your life. What are, what are some of the tools? For me, some of the tools are, I don't do this one as much as I used to, but journaling and um, because I have several journals that I've had over many years and I read them sometimes and I'm like, wow, I need to do this again. <laughs> um, coloring was actually one of my favorites that I used to do. And I still have coloring books. I still have, uh, I have, I have to have like the 64 box of crayons. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I can have all the colors and then I have to have like the neon color. Like I have different, different uh, types of colors. So coloring was one that, that was big for me for a while. Um, because I'm not really, my creativity back in, in the day was, I was a personal chef actually for a while. And if you really talk to me, you'll see like how many things I used to do. And people are like, how many jobs have you had? Like, how (laughs) old are you? Like you've done all of this stuff. I used to be a personal chef at one point in time. So cooking was a creative outlet as well. Me creating menus and me doing things like that. Those were all outlets for me to, you know, make myself happy and not get into the black hole. I think seeking therapy is mm-hmm. a very, that's a very scary step to take. And I think a lot of people, because I'm a big you know, advocate for therapy and I talk about this a lot, um, but taking that step into like, okay, I'm going to get help and then unraveling all that. What, yeah. like what made you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle it this way instead of just nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, nothing's <laughs> wrong, you know? Well, because I I noticed a lot. I was lashing out a little bit more at people back then. Like, I was still very angry, and I was just mad. And what used to happen is people were like, you're such a pretty girl. Why are you always frowning? Why are you always – you don't smile. And it was like, is that what I'm presenting to the world, that I'm just not this happy person, that I'm just I, – I don't know. And I was like – I've is am I presenting that I feel ugly inside him am, am I presenting that I feel angry and you start looking within and it's it was like you need to get some help on re- unraveling a lot of this stuff because you are angry I knew why mm-hmm. I was angry but it's like you have to go through a lot of what these thoughts are in your head mm-hmm. you know and a good therapist and 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 I'm a proponent for therapy as well but I do know it's not for everyone mm-hmm. because everyone is not wired in some ways to you know seek therapy but I do think there are different ways that we all can learn on how to create a a good mental space for ourselves and to work on things whether it's it's journaling whether it's doing something else but with therapy she taught me how to ask myself different questions and to come up with what is best for me how to get out of you know certain thoughts and things like that so um, that's what I learned in therapy. I learned once again, once I found the right one, mm-hmm. because one of, one of them, one of the first ones I went to, it was just like, she just kept repeating things over. And I was like, how does that make you feel? Oh, I know. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like you're asking me anything yeah. intuitive or anything like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so once I found the right person, she was very good at picking up things that I was not saying Mm -hmm. and picking up um, things that I really needed to resolve within myself. 
And um, that that happened over about three or four years that I was doing that. And then after that, I kept a lot of those tools and I keep it within myself, Mm -hmm. you know, to do as well. That's awesome. Take us back now to your timeline. You've been you were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and had treatment and were successful and and clear margins and were ready to proceed on with life. You received some counseling. You had decided that medical wasn't where you wanted to go and you were moving towards business. What happened next in your path? Well, okay, it's so much. (laughs) Like, it's so much of my timeline. Um, You know, growing up, I grew up in an abusive home. Then I went to counseling Mm -hmm. after that. Then I was actually, in between that, I actually modeled for a while. I lived in New York for a while. I modeled for a while. I I got married young, uh, had a baby, um, did the counseling, all of these things. Was getting divorced, actually, when I got sick. Wow. I when wow. I was diagnosed with pre- uh, pancreatic cancer, I was actually going through a divorce. So that's why, you know, that was a crazy thing. I had a Whipple procedure, which mm-hmm. is uh, when I tell people about that story, I'm like, well, Steve Jobs had one, mm-hmm. you know, that because wow. a lot of people know that he had that. And he passed, I think, a year or so after that. And I was like, I had it now 16 years ago. Wow. Uh, and it's a, it was an eight hour surgery. Right. You know, taking out and rearranging a lot of things in my body. So it took my body about three years to fully recover. Um, I do not have any cancer growths or anything that I know of as of yet. But for the first year, first five years, actually, after the Whipple, I had to go every six months to get uh, checked uh, to see if there were any other growths or anything like that. But in 2012, because that was in 2005, in 2012, I got breast cancer. And that was something else that I went through. And at the time, I was I was tired. I, I, my doctor said, okay, so you have this tumor. We're going to have to do a lumpectomy. And if we find any more, then you're going to have to go through chemo and all of these things. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like something else again, oh. you know. But I, I somehow got the mindset like, okay, you're going to go through this one. And I had two tr- children at this time. Uh, my youngest daughter was born actually three years after I had pancreatic cancer. So a lot of people were like, you had a baby after pancreatic wow. cancer? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mess with my reproductive system. It was just, right. you know, all the rest of the stuff. So at the time that I had breast cancer in 2012, I had two babies. So I was even more so like, and she, my youngest was only like three or four at the time. I was like, oh, yeah, I have to be here for her. I can't, right. you know, so I went through that surgery and thankfully it didn't spread at that time. And I was stage two. So we were like, OK, we got it in time. She did tell me it's 65 percent chance of it coming back. So, you know, if it does, I will be seeing you again. And I said, yeah. And then we'll, we'll be cutting all of these off and we're going to give mm-hmm. you a new pair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what's right. going to happen. Right. I said, because I'm not going to keep coming back and you slicing and dicing. I just, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But, yeah. you know, I get a mammogram every year. And of course, as we grow older as women, we always have all these fibroids and cysts and things like that. So I'm always having something, but thankfully I haven't had any cancerous tumors since. the step that took you take that leap to quit your job and then go into this, you know, full time? Well, I mean, I, I thank my husband a lot just because of the fact that he quit his his full time job 
early on when we started the business just mm-hmm. because we knew one of us had to be working at it on a full-time capacity. Mm-hmm. And at that time, he was the one that was able to do so. So he sacrificed a lot to do that. My time was coming. It was it depended on what how we were going and how we were growing. And actually, I was planning my exit strategy from the company I was at, but they actually moved all of the financial departments to Mexico. So oh, they wow. did it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that works? People were like, see, it worked out because I was planning my exit strategy. And then the company was like, yeah, well, we're moving all of the financial departments to Mexico. So you guys, you know, have like eight months. I was like, oh, okay. How do you think um, the things that you experienced as a child helped you as an entrepreneur? Probably resilience. Resilience. Resilience is, I've had to come back from many ashes and that's why I do um I like phoenixes because you know the whole thought of the myth- mythological creature of burning themselves and just being reborn and I think I've had a lot of fires in my life that have you know burned me down I literally actually had a real fire when I was five I was in a real fire and my my dog saved me and my mother wow. so and he died but we wouldn't be oh, here wow. if wow. he didn't save us. So I literally had a fire. Wow. <laughs> I was in a fire. My feet got kind of burnt and uh, things like that. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So I think a phoenix was instilled in me in a long time ago. Wow. <laughs> What's the big picture for you guys? Oh, we are going to be a nationally known <laughs> tequila brand. We are looking at several celebrity partnerships that we yeah, are looking at to do. You know, I, I plan to have a couple books out there one day. You may see me on a motivational speaking circuit or something like that. Um, but we we plan to make the tequila and the business, the consulting business, both big brands that people will know about. And you're on your way. Absolutely. And I notice you have... Um, some samples here in the house? We do. <laughs> what do we have? We do. We have the first Taraco Blood Orange uh, Blanco tequila. Ooh. And it, it new, is Taraco is flavor? Blood Oranges from Sicily, Italy. Is it really? Oh, yes. It took me a while to find this extract. And and if people have read our story about Enteo tequila, we have all of our, our infused tequilas are all natural. No artificial sweeteners or synthetics. So it did take me a minute to find the blood orange because it is an extract from the actual oranges in Sicily, Italy. Wow. So, um, so we, it's Italian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Right. Um, <laughs> but as a new flavor, we did last year, we actually released it on National Tequila Day in a limited a series, but it became such a hit that we had to uh, continue it. When so, is National te- Tequila Day? July 24th. July 24th. Wow. And um, now tequila, I heard, is this true that it's the only alcohol that is not a depressant? Is that true? It is a upper. Stimulant. It's more of a stimulant than a downer because a lot of of spirits are downers. Right. Is that true? What we've read, I, we're not I, medical or scientific oh. people, but I, should we you know, try I can't it? Guarantee, <laughs> I can't try guarantee it if we don't get depressed. <laughs> but that's what there's we've quite a read. few little bottles here we could try. Gina, Gina's eyeing them there over there. That's Gina's what, willing to try it. Right. I, um, I can't guarantee that, but that's what we've read. I do know, and my husband knows a lot more about this. But you know, back in the day, you know, and most spirits 
are like this. Back in the day, when you got sick, they gave you some sort of alcohol <laughs> to make you oh, better. Right. When you went to the doctor, they gave you uh, tequila. And we we saw a recipe for something they gave people when they were sick in Mexico back in the day. And I swear it was a margarita because it was tequila, <laughs> like lime, and like some salt or something. And we we're like, that's like a margarita. <laughs> Some of us who are a certain age may have yeah. had a little whiskey rubbed on the gums yeah. for treating babies, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. they used to do Maybe. that. They did Maybe. used to do that. And some of us that had Italian parents, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Still have yeah. that done, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I do Completely remember different that. reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I do Completely remember different. stories about rubbing yeah. some sort of liquor on babies' gums and things like that, make them go to sleep. Yeah. Well, Nayana, what advice would you give to people that want to pursue a dream? What's if you if you could only give one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't let fear stop you and execute. Ooh, execute. That's a good one. Um, if people want to contact you with your consulting, correct. What's the name of it again? It's called Curious Inception. And how do they contact you for that? We have our website, curiousinception.net. Or they can look up Curious Inception, I'm sure, on Google because our master over here has make sure things come up <laughs> on Google. on the internet. Is there, a Facebook, is there a Facebook page? Yes, we are on social media under a Curious Inception under, for Facebook as well. So after they're done, like subscribing and following The Nooner Show, they can like, subscribe, and Absolutely. follow to your... Curious Inception. To Curious Inception. And of course, Ann Teal Tequila. And of course, well. yes, exactly. And if you want to carry Ann Teal tequila in your store you can any store in michigan can yep. order uh until tequila our distributor is called imperial so most stores know that if they don't have a distributor they can just go into the michigan laura system which is the liquor system that they order through and they can order until all they have to do is look it up that's why we're we're sometimes we're like when people were like just ask them the order. <laughs> right. And then they may go to the store and the store is like, ah, oh, just look it up. It's right there. <laughs> it's, it's what does Antil mean? Antil, oh, there's so many just different meanings to it, but Antil goes along with our logo, which is a hummingbird. And the name Antil is actually a species of a hummingbird, Antilian. Is it mango crested? Yeah. But it is, it's also a personal story. Don has some personal stories with hummingbirds from even before we met, but when we were when we got engaged, we got engaged in the Dominican and, you know, going out celebrating. We were at dinner and we actually started seeing these hummingbirds. So it was actually a, a personal story wow. to him and I as well. And when we were looking for logos for our tequila, we wanted to be different. We didn't want it to have the skulls and we didn't want it to have, yeah. you know, there are some out there with horses and things like that. We wanted something actually personal and but different and actually had some meaning. And we actually were watching a show and they were drawing a hummingbird and it was a show about something in Latin culture. And we heard a myth about hummingbirds in the Latin culture that if a hummingbird flies over your head, it takes your dreams and goals and all of that up to God or the universe uh, for wow. you. And then we started finding out that other cultures have a similar myth for hummingbirds. I found out a lady I talked to in Seattle, she said, yeah, Native Americans have a similar myth about hummingbirds about, you know, that they're mythical you oh, know, creatures wow. that do that. And I was like, see, it goes, yeah. you know, yeah. because wow. it also goes with our tagline, create your legacy. I you love know, with that. everyone. Yeah. We believe everyone has a legacy within them. And if, if you're just brave enough to go after it. I love that. What a success story. And it's just hopeful, you Thank know, you. Thank everything you so you've gone through. 
there's just no excuse. Yeah, that's what people say. And I and the things I have been through, and I know, you know, I, I look at it as that I understand there are people who have so much more that they've been through than me as well, but they've persevered too. And if you start looking at stories, you see so many things that people have been through, and it's like, why can't I? But there's so many people, the majority of the people haven't been through what you've been through, and they, they're stuck. Some are. You know? Are. Yeah, some are. So. And, you know, for all of those people, I'm like, it, it can be done. And that's why right. I, I think, because uh, for a while I didn't tell my pancreatic cancer story, because I didn't want pity and things like that when I first you know went through it. But after I learned of me telling my story to someone, and she told me, she was like, you know what? I have so much hope now because she was actually going through stomach cancer. And she was like, I have so much hope now because I heard your story. And I was like, you know, I need to, you never know who I will talk right. to and who I will um, impact with my story. Right. So I want to continue to tell it. And I think, you know, my husband has pushed me more so to talk about it as well. Not to say that I wasn't, but I just right. wasn't in the public eye. And I'm going to do more of that because I never know who I may help right. with that. Well, and I read that post that, and I shared it too, of the young man in Florida yes. who ended up starting his own rum. Yes, he did. Yeah. 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 That we was are a so cool proud of story. him. <laughs> we are that, so proud they, of he him. He just reached out to you guys because yes. he was following your brand. Yes. He was going into politics, and then you saved him, and he now is, <laughs> now he's got his own rum. Yeah. I uh, We... We are so proud of him yeah, because he, that was a cool he actually story. followed a lot of the things that we said and he's been successful so far in, in the things that we said. But I do, we went to a festival actually last year and another young lady, she, not the consulting business part, but from Antio Tequila, she's been following the story. She started her own rum. She's like, because you know what? You started your own tequila. And I said to myself, I can, she did it. I can do it too. So That's I don't so know how cool. many other people out there are like right. that, but I'm like, hey, yeah, right. do Amazing. it. Right. Do it. All right, Jackie, let's have you help us get started with our game changer. Okay. Well, our game changing idea is cultivating resilience based on our guest today. And that's building the muscle that helps you bounce back from disappointment. So here are seven key points to work on. One, make sure your closest circle is made up of the people you can count on, the ones that don't run away when you fail, because that's key. That's important. Um, if, you're, if you're surrounded with people that you know you can count on, you're going to take more risks. And when you take more risks, you're going to obviously fail more. When you fail more, you're going to build, you'll bounce back, and that's how you build resilience. Uh, number two, Commit to looking for the lesson in every setback because it's how you view those setbacks that will determine how quick you bounce back. Uh, life happens for you, not life happens to you. Number three is accept the fact that defeat is a choice. You can choose not to let the, event, the events defeat you. Uh, number four is make sure that you add value to other people's lives so in turn they will add value to your life. So in other words, when somebody else is struggling, how do you show up for their life? Because how you show up when they're struggling and they have setbacks is how they're going to show up for you. Uh, number five, don't be afraid to ask for help. Silence your ego because you don't have to do things by yourself. Number six, keep moving forward because nothing lasts forever. 
And number seven, reflect on your wins, no matter how big or small. Each one of them is adding another layer of resilience and preparing you for the next curveball. So those are the game-changing ideas for the week. Beautiful. All right. Ready? Yes. Yep. Fortune cookies. So we have our fortune cookies. Gina's going to toss our cookies in whatever way the prongs face. That means that fortune was meant for you. And let's see. There we go. Oh, with a shot of tequila. With a shot of tequila. How about a shot of Antiel? I was going to say with a shot of Uh, Antiel tequila. Yeah, Antiel tequila. Perfect. It is easier to show grace when we recall how much (laughs) we need it when it's a shot of Antiel tequila. Mate today, the day to learn something new. When you take a shot. When you, when take, you take a, a shot of Antio tequila. All right. <laughs> Pass your mic over to Don there. So he can... Oh, yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> All the effort you are making will ultimately pay off with a shot of Antio tequila. Ooh. I like that one. <laughs> Courtesy is contagious with a shot of Antio tequila. Life should not only be lived, it should be celebrated with a shot of Antiel tequila. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, like, subscribe, and follow, whether it be the Nooner Show and Antiel Tequila and and Curious Inception. All right. Thanks so much for spending the time with us today. And don't forget, sometimes (laughs) the only mode of transportation available is a leap leap of faith. faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith. (laughs) 